Good morning. There you go. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you are here. It is a busy time of year. I don't have to tell you that it's a busy time of year. Uh, George mentioned that next week is Celebration Sunday. And just to clarify, we are all going to be together in the Family Life Center during class. We're still having two services uh, next Sunday. But uh, we're going to do some celebrating next week as well. Uh, some things have happened in the past year and ways that God has blessed us. And we're going to worship God next Sunday as well. I hope you're making plans to be here for that. And then in 2019, we are going to be kicking off in the second week of the year um, our Every Believer a Witness uh, study. And we're really excited about where God might take that. And uh, hope you're hope you're praying and planning for that as well. But again, this is a big week this week. This is an exciting week this week. A lot of people have been looking forward to this week for a long, long time. The Bucks are playing the Cowboys. Right? Wait, wait, you're not excited about that? You haven't been looking forward to that? Yeah, I'm not as excited as I was 15 weeks ago about that, I'll admit. But, but Tuesday is Christmas, right? Christmas is an exciting time of year, especially when you're young. But even you know, as I've gotten older, Christmas is still an exciting time of year. I heard a story about a uh, woman who was driving home in northern Arizona, and she was driving down the road and saw an elderly Navajo woman walking along the road. And it was really a desolate stretch of road, so she stopped and, and asked this elderly woman, would you like a ride? And with a silent nod, the woman accepted, got into the front seat, the driver tried in vain to make some small talk as they drove along. This older woman wouldn't say a word. She just very carefully studied everything that was in the car until finally she saw a paper bag sitting on the seat between them and the old woman said, what's in the bag? The driver smiled and said, oh, that's a box of chocolates. I got it for my husband. The older woman paused a moment or two, and then, with the wisdom of age, said, Good trade. <laughs> Have you ever received a gift that you weren't really excited about? Look, Fadia just got it. Just got it. <laughs> Have you ever received a gift that just sort of disappointed you? Like, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I asked for. What am I going to do with this? You know, there's an entire industry that revolves around making things that you would give as a gift, but you would never get for yourself. You see that this time of year? You see things on television, you go in the store and things are marketed towards give this as a gift, but you think, I would never buy that for myself. But we give the gift, right? The extractor, perfectly uh, perfectly shells eggs every time. Would anyone buy that for themselves? Have you seen this? The pajama jeans? Have you seen those? They're pajamas that are made to look just like blue jeans. So you can get right out of bed and go straight to Walmart. <laughs> like no one's ever done that before, right? Yeah, there's things that we give as gifts that we would never think about buying for ourselves. We're wrapping up this little series, Home for the Holidays, this morning. And we've been talking about home. And we've been talking about 
the holidays, and we've been trying to do that through the lens of the birth of Jesus. And this morning I want to talk to you about some unwanted gifts. It seems that during the month of December, everything gets a little bit intensified, doesn't it? Our highs seem to be a little bit higher, and our, our lows seem to be a little bit lower. Maybe this month you're going through a Christmas high. Maybe you're getting ready for the first Christmas as a married couple. Or maybe you're about to experience the first Christmas with a child or a grandchild. Or maybe somebody's coming you know, home that you haven't seen in a long time, and the idea of all of you getting together again is really exciting. You're just, you're just really excited about it. Christmas has a strange way of making our lows feel a little bit lower, too, doesn't it? It has a way of reminding us of the things that are broken, and reminding us of the things, or maybe the people who are missing. Maybe this year you've experienced the loss of a job, and you're not exactly sure what the future holds. Maybe you've experienced the ending of a relationship, or the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a health thing going on with you and, and you're not exactly sure how you feel this holiday season. Or maybe this year seems a lot like last year, which seems a whole lot like the year before that and the year before that. You don't have any idea how next year could be any different, so there's just sort of this cynicism around this time of the year for you. Now, it's interesting. We all face situations. We all face uh, instances and, and sometimes gifts, if I can use that word, that we didn't ask for, that we weren't even thinking about, didn't expect. This past Wednesday night in our intergenerational uh, drive devotional, we talked about the good and the perfect gifts that God gives so freely. As I said this morning, I want you to think about some unwanted gifts. And there are some aspects of unwanted gifts surrounding the birth of Jesus. You think about Mary. Here's this young, quiet, thoughtful Jewish girl living really in the middle of nowhere. She's approached by an angel. She's told that she's going to be with child. The father is going to be the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the Son of God. And she is going to be tasked with raising the Son of God. No pressure there, right? But as Dave mentioned this morning, I want to focus on her fiancé, Joseph. I want to dig into his story just a little bit this morning. And it's true, we don't know very much about Joseph, the husband of Mary. And the reason we don't know very much about him is Scripture doesn't say very much about him. There's just not a lot written about Joseph. In fact, consider this. Nowhere in the New Testament is Joseph quoted as saying anything. We don't know anything that Joseph actually said. We know some things that he did, for sure. But there's no quotes by Joseph anywhere in Scripture. But I don't want you to think for a second that Joseph was just some passive bystander in this whole thing. Joseph faced, for him, what had to have been one of the most unwanted gifts that he could have imagined receiving. But his response to this unwanted gift changed his life. In fact, Joseph's response to this unwanted gift would change the course of human history. So I'm going to read through his story. We looked at parts of this in the last couple of weeks, but I want to read the narrative again. And this morning, I want you to focus on Joseph's part of this story. We're going to read Matthew's account 
of the birth of Jesus. Matthew writes it this way. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. And I want you to put a pin in that statement for a moment. We're going to come back to that. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. We're really familiar with this story. We're familiar with the narrative. But I don't want you to miss the controversy that's going on here. I don't want you to miss the, the almost explosiveness of the language that Matthew uses. He begins his account by saying this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. This is how the birth of the Anointed One, the Expected One, the Longed For One, the One that really since the Garden of Eden, God has been promising, has been preparing and pointing towards. This is the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the King, Lord, Savior. That's Matthew's preface. And then he writes this. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now I mentioned last week that this is a little bit confusing to us because we don't operate in this system any longer. But there in the first century, Mary and Joseph were betrothed to each other. And that was a commitment that carried the same legal weight as a marriage. They were thought of and referred to as husband and wife. In fact, in the text I just read, they were, they were referred to as husband and wife. The only difference was they were not to consummate the marriage during the betrothal period that could last as long as a year. So what couldn't happen during this time was Mary couldn't become pregnant. And of course, what does happen during this time, during this betrothal period, Mary becomes pregnant. And this presents a serious dilemma for Joseph. I can't overstate just how serious this dilemma is for Joseph. I told you, put a pin in that statement that Joseph was a righteous man. I want to go back and talk about that for just a minute. We read that with, with our Western sensibilities, and we think Matthew is saying, well, Joseph was a good guy. He was an honest man. He went to church. He was nice to his neighbors. Everybody liked Joseph. But when Matthew says that Joseph was a righteous man, it goes much, much deeper than just he was a pretty good guy. In first century Israel, the term righteous man was a significant statement. That phrase meant that Joseph was defined by his righteousness. He was known for his righteousness. 
He was known to be devoted and faithful to God and to God's law. He was known to be committed to Torah. Joseph didn't eat unclean food. Joseph wouldn't have hung out with disreputable people. He kept the laws of the Sabbath. He, he kept and remembered the holy days of Israel. And you better believe he would not be engaged to a woman who it appeared had committed adultery, who was pregnant with rumors spreading around town about who the father of the child might be. He was known as a righteous man. It was the highest honor that a simple carpenter from Nazareth could ever hope to obtain. He would have worked hard for that reputation. He would have been proud of that reputation. Rightfully so. Now you can imagine the future that Joseph had envisioned for himself. The dreams that he had for his marriage. The dreams that he had for his family. He was a righteous man. He was going to be married and he was going to become a righteous husband with a righteous family. Imagine his disappointment when he first learns that Mary's pregnant. Everything about his future changes in that moment. A baby conceived by the Holy Spirit, even if it's true, who's going to believe it? Nobody's going to believe that. Everyone's going to believe that, that Mary had either been with another man or we had been together before the law allowed. And of course, in that day and time, that storyline had very serious and clear consequences. Remember the, the woman caught in adultery brought to Jesus and the people told him, hey, the law says we should stone her. And they were reading the law correctly, by the way. The law was painfully clear concerning the seriousness of the act of adultery, which everyone was going to assume that Mary was guilty of. So what does this righteous man, Joseph, decide to do? Well, in an act of incredible compassion and grace, Joseph makes the decision, I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to try to, sh to spare Mary from the shame and the humiliation that she's bound to face. So I'm just going to, one version says, put her away quietly. But even in that act of compassion, don't you know that Joseph's heart was broken? I mean, it's still a divorce, right? It's still a separation. It's a brokenness. Still a tremendous amount of pain involved in that decision. The ending of a once very promising future. But then, Joseph hears from God when he really least expects it, God shows up. And God doesn't show up when everything is going great for Joseph. He doesn't show up when, you know, he and Mary are first talking about uh, being husband and wife and, you know, dreaming of what the future might hold. He doesn't show up when Joseph is worshiping in the synagogue. He doesn't show up when Joseph is calm, cool, and collected and has it all figured out and, you know, he has all the answers. God shows up when Joseph is feeling like, I don't have any options. God shows up when Joseph is really struggling about what to do and, and how, to, how to do it. God shows up when Joseph is at his lowest, when he's just unwrapped a most unwanted gift. By the way, if this holiday season finds you 
a little bit disappointed, a little bit unhappy with the arc of your life story, a little bit frustrated with the way things are playing out, maybe it's a good time to stop and listen to what God might be trying to get your attention with this morning. Let me remind you of God's word to Joseph. It's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. So God tells Joseph, I want you to do three things. First, don't be afraid. I want you to take Mary is your wife, and I want you to name Jesus is your son. Joseph is thinking about this unwanted gift of a child, and then God gives him this tremendous challenge. What was it going to cost Joseph to accept God's challenge? Well, for Joseph to accept Mary as his wife and accept Jesus as his son, he was going to be binding himself to a woman who everyone believed to be an adulteress. And he was going to be binding himself to a child that everyone believed to be illegitimate. The cost in the terms of his reputation, his future, really his life, is incalculable. Consider, none of his friends would have gone to the wedding. It would have been too shameful. His family would have shunned him, maybe even... Uh, uh, ignored him completely, disowned him. He would never again be considered a righteous man. No one would ever describe Joseph as a righteous man anymore. In fact, his reputation would be just the opposite. Now, of course, everything I've said about Joseph can be said about Mary, times ten. But I think sometimes we forget just how much Joseph's life changed when this whole story played out. So where does that leave us when we think about unwanted gifts? When we think about unwelcome circumstances? When things happen in our life, say, I didn't ask for that. I don't know what to do with this. I think there's some lessons that we can learn from what God has to tell Joseph. Maybe make it practical for us today as we deal with difficult situations. And the first thing that the angel told Joseph was, don't be afraid. No matter how hard it looks, no matter what the situation is you're facing, no matter how much it looks like things are over and your future is in doubt, when it looks like this is going to be your new normal, God told Joseph, don't be afraid. Now let me tell you, that, that, that commandment, don't be afraid, that's going to be the easiest for me to uh, prove biblically. It's going to be the hardest to kind of buy into. Because over and over again in Scripture, we're told not to be afraid. The very first book of the Bible, God tells Abram, do not be afraid, I'm your shield, your very great reward. Then the very last book of the Bible, Jesus says, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. And then in the 64 books in between, well over a hundred times, we're told, don't be afraid, fear not. But you and I both know that fear is a powerful thing. And fear is a debilitating force. And you can't just make the decision, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. 
You can't will yourself to overcome fear. You just can't do it. The only way to overcome fear is to replace it with a power even greater. And thankfully, God not only tells us what that greater power is, but He supplies it. Remember the Apostle John writes in, in, in 1 John... Where am I? 1 John 4? There we go. 1 John 4, 8. 18. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Jesus never promises there won't be storms. He doesn't say, you're never going to get any unwanted gifts. You're never going to have to experience anything that's going to be difficult. But what He does promise is to love us perfectly. And what He does promise is His love is more powerful than fear. So, God's first, uh, first commandment or, or first strategy for Joseph, don't be afraid. And then the angel tells Joseph this, Take a risk. Go ahead and take a risk. Take Mary home as your wife. And Joseph knows when the angel says, take Mary home as your wife, he knows that's a risky proposition. Joseph understands, if I take Mary home as my wife, I've got to go all in on this thing. I can't hedge my bets on this thing. This is not going to be a step of faith. This is a gigantic leap of faith. And it can't be done halfway. And Joseph has to decide, am I willing to take the risk? Am I willing to believe that God can redeem this? Am I willing to believe that God can supply hope when I don't see any hope? Am I really willing to believe that God knows what He's doing? Not just in the world, but in my life. In the middle of this unwanted gift, am I willing to believe God knows what He's doing? What's the risk that you need to take as this year draws to a close? What risk do you need to take? Now, maybe for you, the risk is just to keep praying when it seems like God's awfully slow in answering. Or maybe for you, the risk is just to kind of get rid of the bitterness or cynicism that seems to always want to creep into your heart. Maybe for you, the, the risk is to love that person that really is hard to love. Maybe for you, the risk is to step out and serve and to help someone and, and do something for someone else when you feel like you don't have very much to give or maybe your tank's a little bit on empty. Take a risk. Take a step of faith. The story, the ending of your story, it's not yet written. We certainly see that in the life of Joseph. I mentioned the risk that Joseph was willing to take didn't just change his life, it, it, it changed the history of the world. Even though he didn't see it. Even though he wasn't sure how it was all going to play out, and we don't know that Joseph ever saw that. Take a risk. Your faith matters. Your courage matters. Your willingness to hang in there matters, and God's going to honor it. And God will bless you for it. He did, Joseph. Take a risk. And then finally, the angel tells Joseph, you're to give him the name Jesus. Third point, 
Commit yourself to Jesus. And really, that's my only point of this whole lesson. Commit yourself to Jesus. Joseph knew he wasn't that baby's father. He understood that his future and his fate were forever tied to the future and the fate of that little boy. Again, there was no going back. He was all in on his commitment. Question, you think of, um, you think of the cost to Joseph. You think of the consequences for Joseph. And there were consequences. Think of the fact of Joseph's story sort of drifting into the background. Do you think he ever regretted it? Do you think he ever regretted taking Mary as his wife and taking Jesus as his son? As he watched that little boy grow up, the conversations that he had with Jesus, the laughs that they shared, the time spent together, as he watched that little boy grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men, do you think he ever regretted it? As he realized that this baby, born in scandal, surrounded by rumors, really was the Son of God, really was the Savior of the world, do you think he ever regretted his decision? Or do you think he ever wondered, what would have happened if I had said no? What would have happened if I had done what I had planned to do, if I had put her away, if I had divorced her quietly, if I had looked at that gift and said, I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. Not me. It's going to have to be someone else. You know, what if he'd given in to his fear? What if he had refused to take a risk? What if he'd refused to commit himself to that little boy, even when he didn't understand the end of the story? You know, whatever it is that you're walking through this season, whatever is on your plate this Christmas, it's possible that this season and this struggle might be the moment that you realize God's presence and you realize God's power maybe more, more acutely than you ever have before. This season, this struggle, even if it's scary and overwhelming, could be the moment that you actually find hope and joy and peace and love and all those words that we throw about so casually this time of year. It's possible that God could use one simple act of faith one decision, one step to change the course of your life. Again, it certainly was the case for Joseph. And what we intellectually know and what I will tell you is God can do this. God can take an unwanted gift. He can take a, uh, a scary situation. He can take a time in your life that seems like I have no options left. And he can do something amazing with those things. And I don't know what today looks like for you. But I do know that one day we'll see clearly what God's up to. And we'll be reminded that God does indeed know what He's doing. In my life, God knows what He's doing and He wants the very best for me.
And one day he's going to bring his story into proper, complete, and glorious conclusion. And like Joseph, if we're willing to not give in to fear, if we're willing to take a risk, to put our faith in God and commit ourselves to Jesus, I promise you will never regret it. Dave's got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you just need the prayers of people who love you. Maybe there's something going on that you just need to talk to God about. There's a church family. If we can help you in any way, there'll be some people at the front of the auditorium and you can meet us there. Let's stand and sing.